you don't guess the market. You just buy it and own it with your plan. And if your plan in real estate is to own for less than a year, that's not a plan, that's a hedge and a guess. You might as well go buy some Bitcoin. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Hey, welcome to another episode of an Expertish Podcast. Today we've got my friend Jared Kelly again. He's been on before. How are you doing today, Jared? I'm doing awesome. Expert-ish. Right? <laughs> Make it happen a bit-ish. Exactly. It, it, it's just going to catch on to everything from now on. Everything's going to be ish. Yeah. Hey, but there's a reason we wanted to jump on this one today, and it is because we did a little investor workshop mm. this past weekend, right? Yeah. Great. I mean, it was great. It was a great turnout. You know, kept it, kept it kind of small with COVID, but um, good to see people and some really good interaction, great questions that came out of it that we kind of wanted to share today. That's exactly what I was going to say. People were asking questions that I... I was impressed. Yeah. I was a level of questions that people were asking, but it was coming from all angles. Mm-hmm. So Jay, thank you for putting on an investment workshop and, and opening the eyes of people that are looking at a real estate as an investment opportunity and understanding how to compare that to other investments. One, right. I think is a huge piece. Right. And secondly, understanding how to look at it from a nationwide perspective. You're not quite the international mobile yet. <laughs> right. Maybe. Not yet. Mobile. So Guam, which if international ish, we're getting there. Right. So we're working on So we looked at some Guam stuff and we looked at, you know, understanding the civil territory, like, Let's focus on the U.S. first. Right. So it is different amongst the, the properties in the United States. You got the appreciation market and you got the capital market. And you got some places that are blended the two. That's right. Great job to get into this and into that in this workshop as well. Hey, no, I appreciate that. It's just, uh, you know, it's good to have good people around that have the answers so I can get them too. So it was a good time for me. But a few things that I wanted to touch base with you on because I know this kind of your area is the, the things you excel in. And uh, I guess the first one that is, uh, I guess, the most basic thing that came from it was why would someone want to invest in this crazy market now where everyone feels the bear to entry is so high? And you do a great job of breaking that down. So if you give us a little bit of insight on All right. why it's good. So th- there's several things that go into this, right? And, and understanding the markets where we're at. And um, the one thing that we're never going to be con- able to control is outside factors that may and close on the market, right? There's an ice age that comes in. Let's just throw it all off the right? But there are some key factors that we can be looking at. Inflation. Inflation is going to drive what the Fed's, the Fed's doing. And as we look at kind of the year-over-year numbers, and that's how inflation numbers are derived, is once you switch into the next month, that month is replaced with the prior year's month or, or the current year's month inflation numbers. And we're going to hedge over a 2% inflation mark, which is going to throw up some radars and throw up some some issues and understanding where the market is, which is going to control interest rates. And that comes to our second point. Inflation is the precursor to interest rates, which is the number one thing that you should be looking at when you're trying to understand how to guess the market. And so here's the deal. You don't guess the market. You just buy it and own it with your plan. And if your plan in real estate is to own for less than a year, that's not a plan. That's a hedge and a guess. You might as well go buy some Bitcoin, right? Right. Because 
we don't really know what the outcome is going to be. And there's too many outside factors that may factor into what is actually going to happen. So number one, we're looking at interest rates because the rate at which we borrow money is creating that fixed payment. And we have that fixed payment. We go back and we hedge inflation. That's why people buy bonds. That's why cash, when it's sitting on a sideline, is buying some non-risky investments like bonds and some other pieces is because we're trying to hedge that inflation the whole time. So when you set your your monthly payment or your investment uh, payment liability factor at a fixed piece, you're now controlling that and hedging inflation. Right. So the number one factor is interest rate. Uh, and you're like, well, prices are skyrocketing. Uh, well, it, the next piece you have to look at is opportunity costs. Right. If I don't buy in this, am I getting appreciation or not getting appreciation? So second piece is the appreciation game. And there are some great tools to look at that and understand what is the market doing in different areas and what are things that are influencing that market and that economy. We want to have more, and I think you've done a great job of describing this in an investment workshop. We want to have at least two, preferably five. We want to have several different things that are impacting the economy. Tourism, military, uh, biotech, distribution. Those are just some examples um, of economies that influence the market, that affect the GDP of a certain area. Uh, so when we're looking at that, we want to don't have we don't want to have a single influence or a single industry that is affecting the market because then we have our our hedge and everything can be built up, but that one company moves out, mm-hmm. all of our renters go away, all of our buyers go away, and we want to make sure that's kind of the the, the last pillar that we're hitting. So the first one's interest rate, the second one is appreciation, and the last one is influence or industry influence on the market. So I, we can dive deeper into that, but I think hopefully that gives uh, just a generalized piece to look at of what, we're, what we are trying to understand and timing the market. So my recommendation on a primary residence, especially for a, or a hacked primary residence, they mm-hmm. get primary and investment at the same time, right. either buying a two to four unit or that house with the ADU or junior ADU, which I would recommend yeah. is the order of operation, go hack the investment with a primary residence first, the right time to always buy if you don't own one is now. Right. And the reason is if you don't get in the game, you're never going to be able to play the long-term game. Mm-hmm. So if the market does go down and let's look at the worst case scenario as an example, during our lifetime, so 2008-9 period, right. we're now about 25% above those peaks. So if those people held their house for at least 11 years. Mm-hmm. They have not only done principal reduction, but they've increased their house of 25% of the peak. And all they have to do is just not sell it. Right. Right. Rent it out. And what do you think has happened to rents? They continue to go up. And your housing payments stay the same. So generally, when I run these numbers, and this is a pretty general uh, number, about year three to four, even if you're paying a little bit more right. um, into your investment versus getting rent, about year three to four is where we start to see that crossover to where your fixed payment um, is being surpassed by the inflation in rent, right? right? Because that's actually happening at the same or higher clip that your, that your house is appreciating at. So right. in San Diego County, for example, we're looking at about a 7% increase in rents on an annual basis. And that's why rent control and some other things are coming in. 
but those are those basis are being set at different times. Um, and, and I don't think in general that's being affected. That's more for institutional, um, big investor type pools or big apartment buildings that rent control is really going to have an effect on. Um, but when we look at stuff in, in San Diego County, man, that we're seeing that, that number going up and up and up and up and up. So right. about year three or four, even if you started out, so an example of that would be, I started, uh, I bought a house and I was paying $500 mm-hmm. a month into my investment. And I'm like, well, that's terrible cash flow. But by about year three and four, that five that rent has increased enough to cover that five hundred dollar gap and is surpassing it as you're getting appreciation and as you're um, paying mortgage down, getting principal reduction. Right, right. Now, but people uh, get and, and I get it. People that haven't dug into it yet get stuck on that. Well, I'm not cash flowing. Yeah, but don't see all the other upsides and how they're actually making money, which kind of uh, in the same way. I feel like some light bulbs came on with some of our military clientele there as well when we talked about returns on properties they purchased with a VA loan. Yep. Right. But then, you know, some people talk about cap rates or different ROIs and things like that. And they're not really, they don't understand it like a leveraged investment. You're looking at cash on cash. And so if you're purchasing anything with no money down and you get anything back, what kind of return is that? Infinite. Yes, infinite return. You're getting something for nothing, really. I mean, for a little bit of effort or taking the time to do it. And generally, those are like very good return. Actually, will be cash cash flowing very shortly, if not already when you purchase anyway. But um, I think that's something for people to look at. Just pay attention to, hey, what cash are you putting in to get something out? And the cash on cash investment, just again, to understand what that that looks like there's a lot of different things that people use cap rates gross rent multipliers um to understand and compare one property to another one investment class to another real estate versus stocks right you may use different things to to look at but i think the best one in comparison is your cash on cash which means if i buy a property let's just use a Mm non-va situation for example i do conventional i put 20 percent down on a million dollar house and I put $200,000 in, you would compare your cash on cash to if I put 200,000 into another investment, right? The thing in real estate though, is you're getting appreciation on a million dollars, not on the $200,000 that you put down. Exactly. So that's why it's important to look at the cash on cash. And when you're looking at cash flow investment, what's your time frame that you're being in that? So even if it's one year, that's a hedge, right? It's not an investment. That's right. Guess the best, right? Right. But if you're looking at a five-year period, you do have to factor in appreciation and appreciation markets. And I'm not saying it's bad to look at a cash flow investment property. It's totally okay to understand that there's a lot less risk in it. Just, I think if I'm going to put $30,000 down on an investment property versus a primary, if you don't have a primary house, if it's investment, investment, different story. Mm-hmm. Cash flow gain may be the or maybe a variant entry right. at about how much you have to put down. So you're probably looking at that cash flow gain. Mm-hmm. But if you do not own a primary residence, the benefit of putting down for that closing cost on the VA loan or even FHA, $30,000 into an investment property, which is generally going to be about $160,000 property, mm-hmm. about 20% plus some closing costs and some other things, 
versus $30,000 down in the primary, you're getting about a five to 600% return in the appreciation market on the primary. Right. Now, I'm not saying different parts of the U.S. are going to have different um, return rates, but if you're in, a, in an area where there is heavy appreciation, which happens to be where a lot of military bases are, right? if you're military, that's a huge bump to the economy. Yeah. And those places are seeing huge appreciation markets. Washington, Colorado, California. California, I think, was number one, and Washington was number two. And appreciation. Um, and, and they aren't even similar houses. In, in California last year, you know what the number that the number for appreciation was? Mm-hmm. 50, on average, $55,000. Washington was 37, coming in at number two. Right. Beat Hawaii, beat New York, beat all the other places. California. That's, see, that's always surprising. California isn't surprisingly Washington surprising. Washington, Oregon, mm-hmm. the whole the whole uh, West Coast mm-hmm. what is outperforming. Then you're hitting Texas, Virginia, Florida, and well, the whole those are all in military yeah. places that are dr- helping to drive or create sustainability in those those places. Right. That's a good point too. And all the way back to those different, right? How many different positive, positive outcomes you've got in the military. That's your industry, right? Yeah. Biotech, like here we have a little bit of everything, but yeah, the military has a huge impact on that rental market for sure. Yeah. That's a great, great point as well. <laughs> as always, what about one other thing that came up a couple of times is understanding options for financing. Cause there's a lot of people still thinking that, Hey, I can't get an investment property without 20% down and or, or some people know that they can get into the home, but they don't think that it's worthwhile, again, getting stuck on that cash flow. So, so here's the number one thing that I want to stress. If you know a property that is a good deal and can be bought right, every game can be solved with buying the property at the right number. Financing is available no matter what. There's always going to be another <coughs> investor to partner with. There's going to be a lender that's willing to do some type of funding, whether that's traditional lending or it's hard money lending. And, and I'm not necessarily opposed to putting a hard money loan on an investment deal or creating a, J, a JV, a joint venture partnership and doing that, as long as you have an extra strategy. Hard money is probably not gonna be the best option long-term, but it is a, and it potentially is a tool to get you into the game if you can buy right. So. Hey, I know someone who um, is, there's a death in the family and they would like the property to be rehab and not be a flip kind of flip, but go to a good person. Like let someone you don't know about that because there's probably an opportunity there. Um, properties that are, you know, in probate or, you know, just dogs that are on the street, uh, on the street that you live on. You have insight about that that no one else does. So, so maybe let an investor, let someone like Jay, know about properties like that because there's going to be a way to get financing. So financing traditionally, so your FHA conventional and uh, VA loans, USDA in certain areas, very traditional financing. Next up, you can layer that one with a renovation loan, which is essentially you're getting an appraisal on the house and then the appraiser is saying, what if? What if I added these things? And you're going to get financed on that money. During the COVID era, a lot of that is going away. It's risky, right? So traditional lenders don't want to do that. So you're seeing this, this wave of other lending coming in hard money that says, hey, as long as we can partner on the deal, there's some equity in the place. We bought this right. 
I'm willing to put some skin in the game at a higher interest rate, maybe some points up front, but it's just math at that point. It's just math. Are you getting your cash on cash return? And do you have an extra strategy to get out of that? Or did you create a joint venture that that person's just going to be partnered with you for the long haul? And maybe you can do three, four, five, six, seven of them because you diversify how your money is being spent. Right. No, that's, that's huge. They also, when you're talking about that, we're partnering up sometimes with people. It's a lot of times it's mutually beneficial. And I think that's something that's come out, came out both in the workshop and things we've talked about before is being able to structure your network or your team or, or getting dialed into one of those. And if not borrowing one, like reaching out to people you, you do know and, and you know, see what teams they have available to kind of put these together. Um, and I think that that, that's really important too. And that's why I reach out to people like yourself for, you know, things that I don't know, which, you know, there's like one or two things I don't know. Per, per minute, per minute. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, there are people that there's, there's always going to be someone who has faced whatever it is you're trying to take down. Um, someone's already tackled the way you're trying to tackle. I agree. And, and one of those, one of those other pieces I definitely want to touch on in credit financing right mm-hmm. now, because properties have appreciated quite a bit is the naysay sellers, mm-hmm. right? So if a seller thinks that, Oh, I think the market is going to turn and they get a bunch of equity in their house, they may be your perfect partner, right? Because seller financing is an option. And sometimes it's a really good option for someone who is going to have a large capital gain on their house. So they own the house free and clear. They're going to have to pay a couple of capital gains on that. Well, what if they don't take all that in kind of one time? Mm-hmm. What if you pay them out over a period of time and they could take it as ordinary income at a much lower tax rate? Well, that's happening all the time. I've seen more seller financing deals in the last 12 to six months than I have seen, I don't know, in the last five to six years because there's equity right. in those properties. And people still have a little sting from the bubble. I'm like, well, what if we're, what if we're in a bubble? I, I'm fine with this collateral. I know this house. I'll provide financing. And here's the really cool thing with seller financing. It may not show up all over the place. It may not show up on your credit report. It may not show up other places. You should let lenders know that you have those things. But man alive, it is a great tool right. to not to pay a bunch of points and a bunch of fees right. to get financing. Right. So I don't necessarily think you need to be so far over here in the gray area to be creative, mm-hmm. you can be creative by understanding the markets that we're in right now and understanding people's motivation. Well, that's a win-win. Yeah. You're not taking advantage of anyone. Hundred You're getting you know, you're getting a decent deal. They're getting decent. They're saving some taxes, getting out of their property, and you're getting a decent deal at the same time. And the same rule goes to the buyer that it. Well, it does not matter if you're overpaying for the house right now because we're accomplishing those other things that we talked about before. Right. Um, I'm not saying go pay 30% more than what right. the home is worth, but if you're five to 10% over mm-hmm. and still this year, we're slated to get another six per six to 8% appreciation through the remainder of the year, not counting the probably four to five that we already got this year. Right. And over the next five years in San Diego County, and this is, uh, San Diego is one of the highest ones, mm-hmm. but we're slated to get between 35 and 40% appreciation, yeah. which is insane. Yeah. So if you overpay by 5%, you're making that up in a year. Is yeah. there a risk in that? Yes. Yeah. Some. No, 
No so, one knows, no one who's your crystal ball and knows exactly what's going to happen. But you might as well not even go jump on your car and drive to work, right? Right. Like, right. There's risk in that. Right. Too, right. So uh, if you're thinking about investing or you think that that's something in that, that, that you want to do, you have to look at that scenario right now because it's so low, because appreciation is so high in the correct areas where there's more than one demographic or factor that's pushing mm-hmm. the GDP in the economy, mm-hmm. you're probably looking at a pretty small investment. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. And it's, I mean, it's continued what for the last three, four months, at least it's still well over 1% per month appreciation. And now we've got people like, I mean, friends of mine even who hesitated because they were afraid, like, oh, it's too crazy. Like before COVID, they were afraid. And then coming out of it, like last summer, oh, I think it's still going to be, you know, get, you know, it's something's going to happen. And now they're like, okay, I guess it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to drop off. I need to get into something. But now they've got to pay eighty, ninety thousand dollars more for the same home. And I think it's most table. important on a primary mm-hmm. because oh, primary yeah. is the stuff they can get in with the least amount of investment mm-hmm. in the appreciation market. So I literally ran this scenario, and it, it blew my mind to to really look at this. So if you buy a seven hundred thousand dollars single family house in San Diego County right now. Mm-hmm. It's slated to appreciate to just under a million dollars in five years, a five-year time period. You're also slated to get, um, at minimum, a $60,000 principal reduction in that time period. That's at minimum. But we're talking fees, other stuff. So with those two things combined, mm-hmm. you're looking at a $360,000 gain. But here's kind of the hack in that. What if I don't want to sell it? I can't get access to that money. Well, you're at, uh, it's now a million dollar house, mm-hmm. 36% in equity. We can cash that out pretty effectively at 20 to 80, 80% up loan to value. And let's pretend that you bought the house with VA 100%. Mm-hmm. We now just converted your house to a conventional loan, cash out, gave you 16 160000 and restored your entitlement. Right. To do it again. To do it again. Yep. That, that's a real life example that we're mm-hmm. seeing people doing that today. They right. even bought a house two, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. They're doing that same strategy right now. It's, and it's huge. I mean, you're just generating, you're generating money from, from your home. Yeah. From your loan. You're generating money from someone else's money to be honest. Is really what it is. But you just can't be scared to get in there and do it. But again, you know, with a little bit of knowledge, with a little bit of research, talking to the right people, making sure you you know you set yourself up properly. But it's just it's just crazy that people more people aren't doing it. You know, if you can, if you're in a position to do it, sure. Yeah, and the media is plays an important role in our country of spreading stuff, 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 ish, right? news, ish, ish, mm-hmm. right? So please understand that things that are being reported on, things that are being talked about, are not only bias, 100% bias, but they're also delayed, right? So please, if you're gonna trust the media, understand that you're behind the eight ball on everyone else that's doing stuff behind the curtain. Right, that's that's huge. Jared, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Jack.